Tone Deaf is the journey of a theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. I'm sorry for me. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the show we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren, I'm musically challenged. So, (laughs) I wasn't sure if there was going to be more to the bit or not. What bit? Okay, so today we start the uh, bizarre challenge that... uh, is within our challenge of going through all the Land Before Time movies because now... And now an entire fucking television yes, series. Yes, we get to watch an entire fucking television series and <laughs> recap it in one episode. This will be a challenge. Uh, uh, since these episodes are shorter, like the the ones we're going to be watching, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll just... maybe We'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll just try and sum up each episode... In a single paragraph. We can try that. It'll be. I'm curious to see how we recap this. Because, yeah, it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Um, So, a couple of things about the Land Before Time TV series before we get to the more fun part of this episode. This is allegedly a two-season series because of the break between episodes 15 and 16. But because we are Steven Universe fans... And knowing that this series was originally aired on Cartoon Network, I'm choosing to believe that this is just one season broken up by a nearly year-long hiatus. Especially since this is only a 26-episode long series. So, um, the episodes are the... They're broken up as, like... uh, Trying to look into how they're broken up, I'm not sure quite how this works, because each segment is... Like, each episode is 22 minutes long, but I seem to remember each episode being, like, an 11-minute, 11 11-minute. 11 <laughs> so... So you're thinking that when they aired it, they were airing two episodes at a time? Yes. Yes. Is how I remember it. Because I watched this series. I hope you're right. I hope it does. I hope it doesn't turn out to be double what I'm expecting. Yeah, me too. Because I'm already not... I know, that it's, I know that it's 26 <laughs> episodes, and each episode that's set up on YouTube is a 22-minute long video. So it's either going to be that it's two episodes in one period that would have been aired on Cartoon Network, or it's 26 actual episodes. Regardless, you only have to deal with 26 episodes. It is a short series. Uh, It first aired March 5th, 2007 on Cartoon Network after a test run in Canada in January of that year. Thanks a lot, Canada. (laughs) If you would have had better taste, we could have avoided this. The TV series isn't as bad. I I promise. It is nowhere near as bad as the last two movies we've seen. Last three movies, actually. I, I... 
I just realized I shouldn't uh, blame Canada because we have two wonderful friends of the show who are yes, and both Canadian. Delightful, wonderful patrons who I would probably give up our first human child if we had one. That's fair. I I would. I w- if we had a human child, I would give that human child up for them. I mean, because uh, if it was raised by either one of them, it would probably yeah. turn out pretty good. <laughs> they w- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, without getting too weird to our wonderful patrons. <laughs> On sorry. a side note, does anyone want a free child in nine, ten months? Wait, what? <laughs> That's news to me. <laughs> Unless you're seahorsing this. Oh, uh, <laughs> nanu nanu. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue, Kay, before this gets even weirder. So, um, the the series was actually first announced in 2005, just in the planning stages, but it wasn't like officially, hey, we're releasing this announced until uh, around the time that uh, Great Day of the Flyers was announced. So, this was done by Universal Studios Home Entertainment's new family entertainment label, and the president of USHE at the time said that it would fulfill the huge consumer demand for high-quality, family-friendly content both on television and the home entertainment arena. I don't know why I made him British. Every upper white person to me is british i don't know but just that line of bullshit coming out of that person's face makes me want to hit them with a crate of tea so (laughs) so um season one in quotes ended may 18th 2007 and then season two aired all of january of 2008 like once a week so that's again why i say this I don't consider it a two-season show because A, it's only 26 episodes, and B, it's a wonky season because you don't really do that. <laughs> no. Uh, the entire series is available on the official Land Before Time YouTube for free if you want to watch along with us, dear listeners. <laughs> Again, it is not as bad as you're thinking it will be. Yeah, I, you know what, you know what, when it, um, until this, this stint in hell is done, I don't trust you. (laughs) I still love you, but I don't trust you about Land Before Time related things. I mean, I was right about the alien dinosaur one not being as bad as everything else. So I can distrust until I then formulate my own opinion and then agree with you retroactively. All right. So um, without going too into the history of Universal, back when the series was first airing, I do seem to remember seeing issues with Universal Animation, like that they were about to go under, and that was why we stopped getting Balto and American Tail uh, movies, uh, which those are two very short um series thank christ because the second american tale is Love it. fucking fantastic Love it. it stands on its own the third one I is haven't trash seen. haven't seen i hate the third one um anyway uh i like i said i i remember seeing issues with them but it looks like it's been split into the tv arm which, uh, side note, will be producing the Adventure Zone Balance series, which I cannot wait for, and they better get Tom Arnold to voice Barry Blue Jeans, and they better have be played by a trans woman, uh, or I will burn down the studio. It's going to be released on Peacock. 
if I'm not, I'm less excited now because I know their track record. Well, they also, so they're, they have their two segments and they also have their direct video production company, which is Universal 1440 Entertainment. And they're in charge of all the direct video movies, including a dinosaur train movie musical. So they are in charge of Dinosaur Train as well. Well, now I'm confused because who do I need to to make a dark ritual against to exact revenge upon? Uh, probably Charles Grosner because that was who was the director for most of these movies. Do you hear that, Charles Grosner? Death will come for you. Jesus on Christ! Wings. No, um. I, I do wish, though, that the Dinosaur Train movie musical had been out already, but I guess it wouldn't be punishment, so I can see why Con and Dora chose Land Before Time <laughs> instead of Dinosaur Train. Because I would just be sitting there like, oh, it no, would, it wouldn't oh, be a punishment don't make if we, me watch this. Yeah, it wouldn't be a punishment if we enjoyed it. Yeah. So, this series is described as bland and inoffensive. <laughs> By Michael D. Schaefer of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who said that the music, though, like, most of his praise was for the music and for the animation. And well, that'll be a change up from the movies, if that's the case. Yeah, like, he didn't like two of the songs, including the adventuring song that plays throughout the whole fucking series. But it's because it plays throughout the whole series. Yeah, and, it, like, that one, out of the other songs, he said they weren't, like they weren't as good as the other songs. And then he said, like, the animation, it's not as good as the original movie, but it was better than most TV animation at the time. And I tend to agree with that, because the animation for the TV series surprised me. Um, Charles Grosner returns as supervising director. Michael Bruman returns to write the music, and Ford Riley does the lyrics for everything except for the theme song, which is performed by Ladysmith Black Mombazo, which is an amazing South African choral group. And the theme music was written by Rock Gagliese, Steve D'Angelo, and Terry Tompkins of the Eggplant Collective, which is a Canada-based firm that does quite a bit of theme music. They did some for Doki, I guess. I don't know what that is, but I'm, I'm sure that someone in anime is going to be... Someone in anime, your review, tell me what Doki is. I, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on uh, the Eggplant Collective. Yes, I, I actually like looked it up when I saw that, and I still am confused. But they do a lot of theme music, so okay. Uh, cool. 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 You're uh, allowed to do that. All I can think about now is eggplant emojis, and now my brain is going... Why are they the Eggplant Collective? Is there some kind of sexual innuendo there? Is, is the name a euphemism? They are... couldn't go with Circle Jerk. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> fair. So, um, in this series, we're going to get two new characters that'll join the main five. Oh, boy. Well, one isn't new, but he will be voiced by somebody new. We have our perfect boy. Chomper? Chomper Yay. is one of the main group. Or part of the main group. He is voiced by Max Burkholder in this series. And you can hear him in the show Invincible as Matt and Oliver Grayson. And he was in The Purge as Charlie, Sa Charlie Sandlin. Uh, he was a kid at the time still. So, okay. yeah. I, I, we, I, I saw The First Purge and 
forgot just about everything about it because it's a dumb premise. I didn't watch The Purge at all. You watched it with me. Mm -mm. I have not seen The Purge. Where the fuck did I watch it then? With friends? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Or by yourself one day. I don't think I did about it. I could have swore you were there. Maybe you were just on your phone and tuned out because it's not a particularly good movie. No, I've I've never seen it. Okay. Because I would remember The Purge. Fair. I I would. But, uh, yeah, I, I do like to imagine now Chomper in The Purge, which is fun. But <laughs> we also have a new character that I was super excited for when this was announced, and I was not disappointed by, all things considered, Ruby. Which, it's time for another round of Guess That Dinosaur. <laughs> All right, so in this series, Ruby is called a fast runner, and I'm glad that they went with that because they already used the term that would have been the lazier one to use for this species in a previous movie. Um, I will say, though, that other than the lack of all-over feathers, Ruby is pretty well-drawn for what her species is. But she does have a crest, which has come into question with her specific species. Um, It is present in other members of the family, but it is not necessarily part of her species, and we'll get into that. She comes from a group of late Cretaceous theropods that lived in what is now Mongolia. The first specimen was collected in 1923 by Roy Chapman Andrews, and this holotype was discovered on a nest with 15 eggs and the fragmentary remains of a juvenile. But this being the 1920s and this being a theropod, there were some misconceptions right away. In fact, in 1924, Henry Fairfield Osborne apparently first described it as Fenestrosaurus philoceratops before it got the name that was now decided on, mostly because he cautioned about the uh, he cautioned against the misconceptions that we'll talk about in a bit related to this dinosaur um the new name was used rather than Fenestrosaurus and i can i can see why and i can also see that it's a lot catchier than Fenestrosaurus cuz Fenestrosaurus is kind of uh referencing its skull shape rather than anything else and if you were to look at this animal with the skin and muscle on it you wouldn't see that so i can understand i can understand anyway this dinosaur is only 5.2 feet long at the longest it weighs between 73 and 88 pounds and until it was in its own family in 1976 it was placed in ornithomimidae because it did look like it belonged in the bird mimic group. What with the toothless beak and the shorter tail that we now know supported a tail fan. Um, This dinosaur had a three-clawed hand on an arm that definitely had feathers, and it only had three functional toes, kind of like your other bird-mimicking dinosaurs, which they're not bird-mimicking, they're all dinosaurs, they're all theropods. Anyway, Diet-wise, this dinosaur was once thought to eat eggs only until a more recent study was done on them. There have been, like, until more study was done on them. So it it was about the 70s that you start seeing uh, the change in what the uh, diet was. And then in the 90s, we're going to talk about 
the big change that happened that they're like, okay, no, these guys didn't eat just eggs. Um, in fact, there was talk of full-on herbivory, omnivory, because they did find a li- remains of a lizard in one. Um, or as I've seen more currently, and one that I like personally, a more parrot-like lifestyle, eating nuts, seeds, and fruits, which is supported by a study done on their jaws in 2018. Uh, the thing with egg eating, it's mostly been discredited or at least considered not as significant a part of the diet, which when you think about it makes sense because some birds that have been observed eating eggs tend to not have it be the main source of diet. With that, I'm thinking of things like corvids, where everyone goes, oh, they're bloodthirsty baby eaters only in the spring. I mean, fair, (laughs) but they have other talents. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And also it's because, like, when you see a bird eating eggs, it's due to access or it's due to they need the nutrients that you're going to find in eggs because they themselves are laying eggs. Um, or <laughs> can't lay eggs without eating a few well, eggs. Well, because they need the calcium, and they may need they may not be able to get it in another way, and so you'll find birds finding it in other birds' nests. Um, also, some birds that you wouldn't think of as bloodthirsty baby eaters actually can be in certain situations, such as lineolated parakeets. <laughs> Those can be bloodthirsty baby eaters, and it's a little horrifying. As uh. As made apparent by yours that you had, who was the only surviving member of its clutch because its parents ate all the others. Yep. Kier's parents ate all his siblings, and that led to a very interesting bird. (laughs) Um, Also, chickens will occasionally eat their own eggs because chickens don't give a fuck, and they also know that eggs are delicious. (laughs) But... It came from me, and I give myself permission to eat me. <laughs> Basically. Um, and also, part of that, too, is if you're giving chickens eggs, that can teach them sometimes that eggs are delicious, and then they go, oh, well, uh, <laughs> why do you need this? I need this. I'm a snack machine. <laughs> yeah. I make snacks. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> but basically... Long story short, looking at the jaws of this dinosaur leads to the diet not being mostly eggs. It's fruit, nuts, seeds. They're big chicken parrots. In fact, I have a little bit more on that in a minute, on why I call them that. So in the 90s, important studies uh, started happening with this whole family of dinosaurs due to a member of a related genus that was found in an embryonic state in an egg with an adult guarding it, like in in the brooding posture. It died protecting the eggs. And that, through the whole conception of this entire family of dinosaurs for a loop, and led to led people to realize that we needed to take a closer look at the holotype that was found with its nest with dead juvenile 15 eggs, etc. And that's what made them go, oh, Shit, and without making eyes glaze over and people switch to another podcast, there was a whole renaissance of this genus that we started learning that they were broody, not birds. They may have had a reproductive technique similar to rheotites where males will breed with a lot of females and they take care of the offspring. Uh, Kiwis, cassowaries, um, well, 
not so much kiwis, but cassowaries, emus, rayas. Um, and th- it's very different from how Ruby's going to be portrayed as being raised in this show, but this is a TV show for kids in the pre-Steven Universe era, so they probably didn't want to approach polyamory with kids just yet. <laughs> like I said, though, dinosaurs in this family that were found on Ness were so broody that they died protecting the eggs like buried in a sandstorm everything protecting these eggs sorry for the bummer with their body type there is allegedly evidence that this family as well as the truodontid family are secondarily flightless meaning that they can fly a little bit well they came from a flying ancestor oh so basically oh okay yeah so they're basically giant cockapos and there's one paper that I saw from 2010 that called them secondarily flightless birds and made my very tired brain at the time of writing this episode go, wait, what? Because, yes, all birds are dinosaurs, but not all dinosaurs are birds. As cool as that would be, I don't think that we can classify this group of dinosaurs and truodontids as birds necessarily i i don't think that there's enough to class them together as bird i think they're still non-avian theropods um it would maybe more will come out though saying hey this is supposed to be in bird but that may move a lot of other dinosaurs into bird that are also similarly uh derived or less derived it's it's very i don't want to get into it but it's it's a very interesting thought ha anyway (laughs) helena walker unfortunately is someone who is still in the old thinking of this dinosaur but with a very weird twist yeah but she's like a clone on a flying space station or something yeah she's i i don't think we can trust her opinion Anyway, uh, this is what she says. She says, despite being a carnivore, its main source of food food is eggs, which it steals from nests. Unlike any other creature, it seems to be able to surreptitiously steal these eggs, usually without attracting the attention of an irate mother. In an incredible feat of natural selection, it seems to emit a chemical pheromone that affects many creatures as an aphrodisiac. Mated creatures are much more likely to create new eggs while this dinosaur is around, which allows it to go about its business unperturbed. Oh, that's right. Guess they... that dinosaur. Yeah, that's right, because uh, oviraptors and arc mated yes. dinosaurs have a lower refraction period so that they can get busy more frequently. Yes, they do, and yes, this dinosaur was oviraptor. So, Ruby is going to be a young oviraptor she's supposed to kind of be a little bit older than the kids be the Susie carmichael of the group but not she's she's actually going to be voiced by the same voice actress that voices tria in the tv series which is a little odd (laughs) but whatever um anyway yeah i like ruby a lot and the introduction of an oviraptor with feathers was kind of interesting but the thing with the crest is they found that Oviraptor didn't actually have one. That's more Cytopody and other Oviraptorids. 
but not over raptor philoceratops. Can you give me a spoiler? Are we going to see the yellow bellies ever again? No. Thank you, raptor Jesus. Yeah, yeah, no, the the yellow bellies are off in their own world, thank fucking Christ. As far as I know, because it's been a long time since I've seen the TV series, but I'm pretty sure that they don't come back because I did not see them in anything about the TV series. And I've seen, like, they have rainbow faces, but not our usual rainbow faces. If they pop back up, I may throw something at the TV and break the screen, so I hope they don't. Um, I'm so done with the yellow bellies. <laughs> so done. It was the most annoying, annoying movie. They were the worst. They were so bad. It's so upsetting because Bapiasaurus is so cool and so cute. And I would, I would have loved if they had had them actually look like Bapiasaurus. But no, they didn't. You know, uh, what we need to do, Kay, is just rip off the Land Before Time and make a new children's animated dinosaur cartoon that is not completely stupid. That would be nice. That would be nice because Dinosaur Train has ended Mm -hmm. and we need something to fill that hole. Mm -hmm. I love it when you talk about filling holes. Well, shall we go head over to the lake and watch uh, the Land Before Time? (laughs) TV series. I don't know. That didn't work. <laughs> the couch will be our sex lake. <laughs> I, you know, I can't go one of these episodes really without shaming Brian J. Ford. Well, fuck him. I just, I fuck can't. You, Brian, Brian J. Ford. I can't go an episode without doing that ever since sex lakes. I just. I get so mad when I think about it. And who's the chode who thinks that uh, 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 pterosaurs came from... Oh, fuck. What is that That they're not That they weren't flyers? That they just had weird arms? Yeah, I... Anyway, fuck him too. Yeah, yeah, fuck him too. Just fuck him. And also, whoever... Fuck each other in a sex life. Yeah, yeah. And whoever... uh, refuses to let us liberate the dinosaurs from the creation museum that are perfect models that still upsets me oh yeah that's unfortunate (sighs) they even have smilosuchus there and that makes me sad because that's my pug-nosed crocodile that is like (laughs) like they're pug-nosed but not in the weird (laughs) way just more of like oh my gosh it's a crocopuppy and I, I want would, a crocopuppy. I would take three thousand crocopuppies. I would be the crazy crocopuppy lady. I want a crocopup. We get a pond and have crocopups. Yes, dear God, yes. Oh no, I'm gonna become <laughs> Betty White in Lake Placid. You and me both, babe. You and me both. Does that mean you're gonna feed me to the crocodiles? No, that's what Betty White. Well, she didn't feed her husband to it he just he got too close he got too close which you you know that you won't do but i want to pet them especially because they're crocopuppies and smilosuchus didn't get very big so and they were vegetarian oh even better Mm -hmm. i'll feed them broccoli here you go here's your broccoli that'd be would name them all reggie (laughs) like your mom's dog that likes broccoli oh this is taking a tangent yes it has because we are delaying Uh. Uh, <laughs>
It's okay though, babe. We've got this. Let's let's rip off the band-aid <laughs> and prepare to fucking binge the Land Before Time TV series. Woo! Okay. You're 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 right now, you're at about an eight. I'm gonna need you to bring it down to about a four, okay? Woo! <laughs> that's that's a little bit better. Alright, let's go. Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our Patreon sponsors? It is! Woo! We would like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Jeff, Reagan, and Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Jesse, Bianucci, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Oh my god, I know words. Yeah, I love etymology! Spooky Yuki. Murder. Double murders. Zombies. Horror is always political. Mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm a creep. And I'm Sunshine, a creep-enabling best friend. Together we tackle all things horror. History, politics, science, and sociology. From zombies to serial killers. Pomegranates and Pitchforks is a horror and true crime podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. Now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. What are you sorry for, Kay? That this is becoming a three-part episode. Uh, I'm hoping that's all it needs to be. Yeah. Because if you think about it, three episodes equals more than one movie, and we have like 26 episodes. So this TV series might be longer than the entire goddamn movie series. Mm-hmm. And when I was copying my notes for this quote-unquote episode one of uh, <laughs> the Land Before Time TV series thing that will probably suck, uh, is what I titled it. Um, <laughs> it's more pages than I would take in a normal episode. Uh, there is a hefty, hefty, Jesus Christ. hefty, hefty amount here. So it will be interesting to see how many episodes we get through before we hit, like, the two-hour mark in our recording. Holy fuck. And I felt like I only took the, well, scare quotes, important notes need to know for each episode mm -hmm. in order to, like, understand what happened in the episode. You know? Like, like stuff yeah. like that. Oh, also, hi, listeners. Hello, listeners. Uh, we both apologize for the hiatus that we have uh, abruptly taken, but moving will do that. Yes, it will. And if Kay and I sound different, we are recording this episode from our new home office with our new home mics that, in part, were uh, funded by our wonderful patrons. Yes, thank you so much. And things will change in this studio. We plan to make it a little more uh, soundproof friendly. 
mm-hmm. hopefully, because uh, we live next to a small airport now. Brr. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kay, remember how we were excited about having our own home office? And then how that home <laughs> office decided to be located near an, <laughs> an airport that has helicopters and airplanes? <laughs> Neat. Yep. So, shall we jump into this beast then? Yes, and also, uh, Conan Dor, we did not move to escape you. Uh, it just, it just happened that we were able to finally move. So. You know, we haven't seen them, uh, but that's a good, that's a good, uh, uh, uh preemptive eye gouging I know. statement to throw out there. You saw those clouds the other day. Those were some menacing pterodactyl looking clouds yeah that was a pterodactyl looking motherfucker anyway let's hop into this nightmare well not nightmare it's not as bad as it could have been (sighs) that is what we've been saying about this whole goddamn (laughs) well well, actually no not necessarily it's not what we have been saying this we've seen how bad it could have been (laughs) some of the series is better than what was done in the movies but also, there is plenty that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the move, the TV series takes a while to get into its own. It, it does. Yeah. It has some cute stuff, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I try to be fair with it, uh, but I also don't like it. It's no Steven Universe. Nothing is Steven Universe. Nothing is Steven Universe. Anyway, except, Steven Universe. except for Steven Universe. All right, The Land Before Time, the animated series, episode one, The Cave of Many Voices. <laughs> right away, I notice that the animation is not bad, actually. Anyways, it's it's raining like a bitch outside, and Baby <laughs> Steps complains about it, and Sarah tells her sister it will be okay. And Ducky tells Thag, hey, Skywater is making the ground water dance. And then we see Ruby and Chomper talking about the rain, then hiding from the rain in a cave, and uh, apparently stalactites are hollow, and if you break them while it's raining, water comes out. (laughs) As somebody who was never a huge fan of earth sciences, that was always one of my weaker sciences, I always preferred, you know, biology and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, Uh, even I know that that's a load of shit. Yeah, like, yes... Water does drip through because of the whole, like, that's kind of how stalactites are formed, is limestone buildup. Mineral deposits. Yeah, it's mineral deposits. But if you took a hammer and hit one and broke it... You couldn't do that. It wouldn't pour like a goddamn faucet. No. You you can get drippy cave. Drippy cave is a real thing. But that's not what... You don't break open a stalactite and get drippy cave. That's not how it works. Anyways, the next day, the baby gang is eating food, and some food gets stolen, and Ruby yells at the food stealers. Yay, (laughs) Ruby! Anyways, Chomper is tired as balls, because his cave is all drippy. After the baby gang confirms that uh, Chomper's cave sucks, Chomper leads the gang (laughs) in an adventure song and goes to look for a new cave. Ruby and Chomper keep talking about some prick named Redclaw and how he's a jerk. (laughs) We see Red Claw being a jerk to other dinosaurs in the mysterious beyond, and fuck that fool. <laughs> Anyways, the baby gang finds the cave of many voices, and they play with the echo, 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 for a while, while, while. And then Red Claw, Red Claw, Red Claw, hears the baby's gang having fun and sends his minions to kill them. But then they decide to uh, dig instead. 
Oh, and there is a subplot with Ducky asking Ruby to teach her how to talk big so people will listen. And then we get a scene after they leave the cave with Ruby telling Ducky to be a tree and think big. Something along those lines. And Ruby sings to Ducky and offers some breathing advice. And the Think Big, Talk Big song works, because Ducky heads back to her friends and talks like a big dino, and even gets Sarah to get her food, sorta. Sarah catches <laughs> herself before she does something nice for somebody else, and Sarah is like, wait, are you talking different? Anyways, Chomper comes in to be like, you guys, I found a new cave, and he shows the gang his new cave. But the moment doesn't last long because Red Claw and his minions break into the cave, I guess, through <laughs> this hole that they dug. <laughs> and the baby gang is like, we better get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but they fall and they end up sliding down the uh, side of a ledge and are uh, confronted by the Sharp Teeth, who give chase. Thag knocks some rocks off the ledge and thumps Red Claw real good. <laughs> After some wacky sliding down a hole to escape sh uh, sharp teeth shenanigans, <laughs> the gang finds themselves in a sub-cavern where they hatch a plan to try and use the Echo, 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 to scare away the sharp teeth. The sharp teeth find the baby gang and chase them. The baby gang is able to hide, but are sure to be found out. Ducky stealths away and distracts the sharp teeth using the cave Echo, and the rest of the baby gang is able to stealth away too. Using their combined yelling, they scare the sharp teeth out of the cave, and then pulling a vine, and then by pulling a vine, they dislodge a boulder and plug the hole, ensuring that the cave is now only big enough for the little babies to get in and out. The gang congratulates Ducky on her quick thinking and big voice as they all laugh. End episode. Yes. That one is sort of... I don't know, it's as expository of an episode as you get from TV shows bef that are not supposed to be serial. Uh, you know, um, yeah, because I mean, they're all, I mean, later episodes will sometimes make reference to things that happened previously, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but for the most part, they're all, you know, self-contained little stories, which is yeah. ideal for children's media, so you can mm -hmm. drop in, drop out kind of thing if you pop in on an episode, you don't have to know what happens. Not serial. doesn't really build on itself as much. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as far as the first episode goes, um, it's okay. Yeah, you it's know? not stellar. It's... It, it, it's not as bad as the worst of the movies, but mm -mm. it blessedly is only a third as long as the worst <laughs> of the movies. And that's, that's kind of the thing for these first few episodes, is that they're not bad, but they're not great. And you get some great moments, but the episode themselves, for the most part, are just sort of, it's a kid's show. It's yeah. harmless. It's not going to hurt them. Um, it's not going to teach them about the dangers of race mixing. Jesus. There's also uh, Joe Biden Red Claw. With his <laughs> busted bloody eye. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Which, interesting thing about Red Claw, I don't know what the idea was behind his design, but he's got this red eye and then a red line going all the way from his eye mm -hmm. down to one of his claws, hence Red yes. Claw. But why Red Claw, not Red Eye or Blood Eye or Blood Claw? Because like, they can't say blood in a kid's show uh, in 2006, 2007. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> sure. It's for all all ages. Kids mm-hmm. can't handle the word blood. Nope. God forbid anybody loses a tooth and has blood in their gums. What is this red stuff I'm leaking? I'm leaking raspberry jam that tastes bad. <laughs> There's not enough sugar in it. Mom! Episode 2, The Canyon of Shiny Stones. So, Tria, the three-horned stepmom, is busy stacking rocks in her rock pile, and they're all shiny and stuff. Sarah and Trisha come home and are like, Wow, nice rock pile, Mom. And then Trisha is hungry, so they leave to get food. But Sarah wants to touch the top sparkle rock, and she knocks the pile over, and the sparkle rocks fall into the water. Tria comes back to the rock pile and is like, What the shit? What happened to my sparkle rock? And Sarah, instead of telling the truth, says that she scratched her chin trying to save the rock. But Tria only cares about her rocks. And Sarah stomps off. So, yeah, Sarah, like, goes to touch the rock, knocks the whole pile over, tries to save the rock, but fails, and then tries to pull this haul. Oh, yeah, well, I hurt myself trying to save your stupid rock, but you don't even care that I hurt myself. You just Mm -hmm. care about your stupid rock. Yep. You're a terrible (laughs) stepmom. Back at the rest of the baby gang, they're playing hide-and-go-seek, with Ruby being the seeker. Ruby insists that she found Sarah, and now Sarah is it. But Sarah is in a mood, and yells at them for saying that uh, for saying that she was it when she wasn't even playing. And the others are like, Sarah, you're being more of a bitch than usual. Is everything okay? <laughs> and Sarah tells her friends the truth, and Ducky is like, why don't you just say oops eeps? And we get the <laughs> We get the horrible, horrible oops eeps song, which can be tossed in the furnace and destroyed in order to spare humanity its mind numbing melody. When you fuck up big and you make a mistake, you say oops eeps. <laughs> that would have been better. <sighs> Let Ducky say fuck. <laughs> Fucky. <laughs> Anyways, the terrible song ends, and instead of Sarah going and saying oops eeps about the sparkle rock, they decide to get a new one. Only problem is that the sparkle rocks are over by the smoky mountain, which makes Petrie piss himself with fear at the thought of. <laughs> the gang sets out to the smoky mountain, and we see some weird 3D models of the baby gang uh-huh. used as they transition animations. And yeah. uh, we all don't like it. Kay, Shay, and me, we're all just... <laughs> it's not good. It, I don't know if it was something to save money in the cost of animation or if they were mm-hmm. trying something experimental. Either way, no bueno. And, like, with this one and with the times that we've seen that in the movies, a part of me is wondering if... Because we're watching these in HD or in 1080p. Mm. That is not what they originally were True. being viewed in. And so I wonder if it's a case of... Probably wouldn't even have been in 720. Yeah. Well, no, it would have been 720 yeah. by that point. Um, 1080 was... 1080 was around when I started doing film school, so... Well, well 1080... I mean, 1080 is HD. Mm-hmm. It's not ult, It's not super HD or yeah. ultra HD, but it is HD. I just don't know yeah, about... Yeah, 720 was the standard for a while. Okay. Yeah, uh, just... 480 is right before 720, yeah. but anyway... Um, I just guess I don't know... Uh, I don't recall that... Because well, I didn't watch this show when it was Yeah. Airing. 
And so I don't know what the... I it, think it would have... If it was in widescreen or if it was not... If it was in standard before. It would have been... Because 720 is technically standard. Um, it's what you would think of as standard def, if I remember right. So it would have been 720 on a good, t- on a good CRT TV. <laughs> Which is what I would have seen these on. God, I feel old. Not a tube CRT, because that that had been done away with. But that big honking gray TV that we had mm-hmm. to roll out on a dolly, that mm-hmm. shit. To the dump. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, the gang makes it to the Smoky Mountain, which sure is smoky, according to Ruby. And the gang is like, see, Petrie, there's nothing to be scared of. And Petrie is like, me not scared. And to prove it, he's going to fly over the mountain. Petrie gets halfway across the volcano when it decides to wreck Petrie's day and it erupts, (laughs) throwing flaming rocks everywhere and sending the gang into a panic and they run away. The gang all survives and notice the time of day and announce that they had better hurry up if they hope to make it uh, to the Sparkle Rocks and get home before dark. Anyways, they make it to the Sparkle Rocks and are just like, Wow, so many Sparkle Rocks. Which one to choose? And they launch into a song about good times and good friends. And for a moment, I think they're going to light up a fatty, but we're not so lucky. (laughs) Plus, I guess that would be awkward for a children's cartoon in the mid-2000s. But anyways, Sarah finds the perfect stone, even prettier than the one that she lost. They free the Sparkle Rock from the stone, and the Smoky Mountain gets angry that they took one of its Sparkle Babies, and it erupts even worse than before. Lava dripping down the sides of the mountain, and the raining debris falling onto the babies who run for their lives. As the babies try to escape their path, it's blocked by lava, and they have to turn around. The gang is able to get away from the lava by climbing down, by climbing up a downed tree. Ducky almost falls in the lava, but is rescued by Ruby after Petrie fails to rescue her, because <laughs> that's his fetish. <laughs> the baby <laughs> The baby gang is trapped on a ledge with slowly rising lava and send Petrie for help. Petrie actually makes it back and doesn't get his dick his uh, dick stuck in a toaster like I would have expected. <laughs> Anyways, Mama Flyer and Elder Longnecks rescue the kids, and when Sarah goes to show Tria the new stone she got, she falls and the stone tumbles into the lava. Sarah oops eeps to Tria, who tells her that she, Sarah, is more important than any stone. And the moral adjacent portion of the episode is complete. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) End episode. Oh, God. Oops, eeps. Yeah. I forgot about that until... Uh. <laughs> yeah, th- like I said, some of these earlier episodes are kind. Yes, there you go, fellas in the audience. If you ever finish too quickly with your partner, just go oops, eeps, <laughs> and I guess tell us, tell us how it went, tell us how it went, because Warren knows better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. I, f- I do think that uh, the overall... Qual- I didn't think the overall quality of the songs in the movies was particularly good. Occasionally, you would have a song that had more than one mm-hmm. halfway decent song. Mm-hmm. Some of, you know, And occasionally, you get a song that was actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the 
TV series. Yeah. It's just mediocre, wall-to-wall mediocre. There's two songs that are okay, because the song... And the thing is, as I say two songs, but really, there are four songs that get reused and changed slightly. Yeah, yeah. Because... Like the adventuring Adventuring, remembering, uh... Remembering, adventuring, adventuring, <laughs> remembering. Um, the, what's the other one? Um, that Good Times, Good Friends song gets reused. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to, hey, that's funny because of a later episode. <laughs> He'll get drunk on fermented mushrooms or something? No, the one in the hot spring. <gasps> yeah, okay. Where they all yes. get high. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. <laughs> But yeah, they they reuse the same songs over and over, and sometimes it works better than in other episodes. Uh, You know, uh, I feel... (sighs) (laughs) The entire Land Before Time animated canon, Mm -hmm. TV show, movies, all of it, it's like a really unreliable EKG. <laughs> because it's just, oh, that was a good one. Oh, that's not good. Just There's a lot of up and down to it uh, and oh not the fun god. kind. Oh um, my god. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> that is so true. It's because you don't have my brain. <laughs> Be grateful for that. Oh, God. Oh, okay, episode three, the Star Day Celebration. It's nighttime, and the baby gang are playing shadow puppets, when suddenly a rustle in the bushes behind them scares everyone, and they hide behind a rock. But it turns out the scary noise is Sarah, battling <laughs> with a branch that is stuck in her nose horn. The gang helps Sarah, and Ruby falls back and bonks her head. She then exclaims that a specific star in the sky is her star, and that it's almost her star day, which is like a birthday, but for hatching and uses stars. (laughs) We get Ruby's tragic backstory about how she had to flee from her parents because of Red Claw, and Chomper helped her escape. Flashback to present day, and Ruby is now depressed, even though Chomper tried to cheer her up with some more shadow puppets. Ruby sad walks away from the group and goes to the river, where she has another flashback to being to being with her family on a previous star day. And, uh, I guess you're supposed to bathe on your star day, which we see her doing in a flashback. Back to the baby gang, they hatch a plan to do, uh, to do a giving ceremony to celebrate Ruby's star day and, uh, cheer her up. We learn that Ruby's favorite food is sweet bubbles, or grapes, to those who are not dinosaurs. <laughs> the gang then sets out to find sweet bubbles for Ruby, all while Ruby uh, has sad flashbacks about her family. Back to the baby. Baby Ruby is so fucking cute. Ruby is very cute in general. Yes. Um, that's something that I should point out, that the I would say... The best part of the TV series is having both Ruby and Chomper. Yes. Uh, They are... I mean, seeing Chomper in every episode 
is really nice. Yes. Because Chomper is just fucking cute. I fucking love Chomper. I, he yeah. is the best character I love ever in Land Before Time. Chomper is a great character. I really like him. And uh, Ruby is also a great character. Ruby is interesting because she, 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 to me, kind of has the feeling of a grown-up ducky a little bit. Yeah, a little she, bit. She has some ducky vibes to her personality, mm-hmm. but a more mature Type. Yeah. Um but yeah, they're they're both very welcome characters and and uh it's it's definitely a plus to the TV series for having those characters. Mm-hmm. But that's why I like this episode out of the early ones is cuz it's so ruby focused yeah. and I love ruby. <laughs> I I guess it makes sense because the TV show they're they're giving um um, exposition with these new characters since, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have movies and movies and movies yeah. of them in it. Yeah. Back to the baby gang and their sweet bubble hunt. Everything <laughs> is going well until Earthshake! <laughs> and the gang panics and falls. And then a river diverted by the Earthshake starts to flood the canyon and they fall, uh, starts to flood the canyon they fell into. And Baby Steps and Petrie rig a vine around a tree limb, and the dinos start to climb up. Even Thag, who broke the vine and fell into the water, but was saved by the baby gang once all the babies are safe, they... (laughs) They sniff. That was sniffing. Uh, (laughs) And they smell some sweet bubbles. But the sweet bubbles are wrapped around a club tail... And that club tail tells the babies to all fuck off. And that those are his sweet bubbles. Ducky goes and gives the club tail her best pretty, pretty, please face. And tells him that these are sweet bubble that these sweet bubbles are for their friend Star Day. Did you say Star Day? cries the club tail, who is like, I loved my Star Day. Take as many sweet bubbles as you like. And then the gang gets the sweet bubble. What I love is that he's totally hedonism bot. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's absolutely he's, hedonism bot he, that is a dinosaur. He is hoarding this big old bushel of sweet berries and is like, if you take one, I will bop you into oblivion. These are my sweet berries. Got a bopper? Ah. I got a bopper. What's a bopper? <laughs> That's a bopper. The gang is trying to set up their surprise, but hear Ruby calling in the distance and break off to run interference. Baby Steps, Chomper, and Ducky all divert Ruby, who thinks that no one wants to hang out with her, so she goes to her thinking place to be sad about her lonely star day. You know, can can we get rid of that trope? Please? I hate that trope. <sighs> it's... Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it because it's so... It's so overused, yeah. And there's never. I I don't think I have seen a unique execution of it. Mm-mm. It's always very uniform in the way that it's done. Yeah, and it's it's. It, there are better ways to divert a friend from a surprise party. Yeah, like there are much better ways. Mm-hmm. I'm. Anyways, but yeah, yeah. It, it, that that bothered me a lot. And yeah, it's it's like let's do something special for our friend who is obviously obviously upset by 
ignoring them and yeah. making them think that you know that we don't give a fuck. You could no. do, you know, an easy way to do it would be to have one of the gang members go do something with them. Yes, you know, just so that they're not alone, and then keep an eye mm-hmm. on them, and then be like, "Hey, let's go see what everybody else is doing." Here we go. You know, I need to get this. Uh, send Ducky. And Ducky being like, oh, I can't get this tree suite that I really, really want. But you're taller than me. Can you help me get the tree suites? Oh, help me get another tree suite. Hire me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you would write, you you would write some baller land before time stuff. You would need me there, though, to be like, (laughs) no, you can't Don Bluth this. You can't. Make everybody cry. I Kay. would not do that with a kid's TV show. Kay. I have matured. Oh, I will fair. not That's cottage fair. country a kid's TV show. <laughs> uh, this place is nice. How long can we stay here? Where's mom? <laughs> oh, okay. So, yes. Ruby thinks no one wants to hang out with her, so she goes to her thinking place to be sad about her lonely star day, when suddenly, Earthshake! Again, and Ruby gets trapped by falling rocks. Her friends hear her cries, and they save her. The gang goes to show Ruby her star day surprise, but the Earthshake fucked it up and smashed most of her sweet bubbles. Only three remain, and they give them to Ruby, who eats them. And is very <laughs> and the very next goddamn scene, the grapes are back on the vine, even though we just watched her eat them. And fuck I'm mad about that stupid continuity error. So I had to change the way I read that because I did type it all out in caps. Anyways, the gang sings about having a star day, and uh, then it goes to the nighttime, and they all look up at Ruby's star day star. Neat. End episode. Harmless episode, other than overusing that trope. And magic grapes. And magic grapes, but, Uh, you know, Ruby had a bad day. You know, man, I want some magic grapes, though. I'm just thinking about that. A nice little thing that it's just three grapes that infinitely respawn. (laughs) There we go. When we play D&D, we'll throw that into a campaign. <laughs> You've got just this magic set of grapes. What's it for? So I can have grapes all the time. Grapes are forever. <sighs> Episode four. The Mysterious Tooth Crisis. This one's so fucked up. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Sean. <laughs> this one I do think is is a, a good example of something that is uh, a little bit more relatable for the age group yes, watching it. absolutely. I lost my first tooth when I was six, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tearing Same. open a package of candy. Ooh, that's and, right. Yeah, I was tearing open, a, you know, because, you know, a lot of people, you tear stuff open with your teeth. Mm-hmm. And I was tearing open a package of candy, and I didn't realize that my, because my tooth was already loose. I didn't realize the tooth had come out until I reached in to grab a candy and I pulled out my bloody tooth. And that's when I realized that I was bleeding in my mouth and I didn't realize you were, that it's normal to bleed when you lose a tooth. So I was freaking out. And so this episode, I, I, it made me smile because it's, you know, I've been a little kid worried mm-hmm. that I'm dying because suddenly there's blood where there wasn't blood before. Oh, that's like the milk dud incident that yeah, is you, why you, I will never eat milk duds. You got a, you got a, 
I don't know. It was it was like a ball bearing covered in chocolate because the factory sucked, but Kay broke it. <laughs> Had a well, loose tooth yeah, that came out on a milk day. It wasn't even loose yet. Like, it oh. was one that was going to come out, but it was it, it was just barely loose. And I bite into a milk dud, and this is at the Mr. Bean movie. And I vividly remember this. And we're at the movie theater watching the credits, or the, not the credits, the trailers, bite into it, and I just feel it rip. And it... it is hanging by a thread at the theater and I'm just crying because it's just blood everywhere and it's I was eight with that one I think I was eight when the bean movie it was like when the bean movie first came out wow so you're kind of a not kind of a late bloomer with your teeth oh I'd I'd always had teeth getting lost but they took a while to get lost it was one of the last ones to go oh okay never mind yeah no I had started losing them at six but they weren't like popping out all the time it was sort of you know slow growth with each one probably because i don't drink milk because <laughs> i'm lactose intolerant yeah when well, i, it was, when I was better lactose, about it as a kid it was better before uh, uh lactose free milk was more readily available mm-hmm. but anyways weird weird thing that i just was thinking about recounting that story i kind of miss having miss losing teeth yeah and i and i say that with the knock on wood you know caveat of i don't want to lose any more of my no. these are my adult teeth i'd no. like to keep these please but knowing that it's normal to lose teeth because new ones are coming in uh there was just something weird about playing with a tooth and feeling it get looser and looser and then yeah. eventually like I, now that i'm not having that happen anymore oddly enough i kind of miss it i kind of do but then i have the odd nightmare about losing teeth and it, like losing adult teeth uh-huh. and it's just like oh oh no oh no yeah, i had one of those dreams too that my teeth were like descent oh god it was a horrible nightmare <gasps> okay we okay <laughs> wow speaking of the Content mysterious warning, tooth crisis lots of tooth talk. Oh, very Jesus. fitting for this goddamn episode okay yeah this this episode <laughs> is horror <laughs> okay so episode four the mysterious tooth crisis Episode 4, The Mysterious Tooth Crisis. We start with our child heroes running to an exciting meeting with Tria, the three-horned stepmom, who wants to lead the kids to her special secret hideaway. (laughs) Uh, kids, um... (laughs) PSA real quick. (laughs) If any children are going to be harmed, it's likely from someone that they know. Jesus Christ. And here we have Tria telling the kids that she has a special secret hideaway to show the kids. <laughs> oh, PSA over. It's just a mud pool. So, not a what I was... special mud pool. Yeah, special secret mud pool. Not what I was uh, worried about, I guess. Tria wants to take the kids to a spa day, given the way that she talks about this special mud pool. But I guess the kids were in the middle of a gang of Stop the Seed, which... Whoa! Kids, uh... Another PSA. Kids, pulling out is not as effective as abstinence. Uh, It's a lot more fun, but... uh, Anyways, horrible implications aside... Man, I could sure go for a game of Stop the Seed. Tria takes... Tria takes Sarah, Ruby... Gotta catch it in your mouth. (laughs) Ookie mouth. Uh, 
Tria takes Sarah, Ruby, and Thag to her special secret mud hole. All while Chomper... <laughs> wish Kate would take me to their special secret mud <laughs> Oh, God, that's weird. Okay. Get back on track, Warren. <laughs> so Tria takes Sarah, Ruby, and Thag to her special secret mud hole. All while Chomper, Ducky, Petrie, and Baby Steps block the seed. Kids mature so fast these days. I mean, back in those days. I mean... Oh, fuck. Anyways, while, while blocking the seed, Chomper beefs it hard and knocks out one of his baby teeth and starts to freak out. Relatable, Chomper. I freaked out the first time I lost a tooth. Mostly because there was blood everywhere and I didn't remember killing all those people. But that's... <laughs> But that's way past the statute of limitations. We all have our own were-animal awakenings. Yours was just a little bit more violent than mine being on the top of a roof. Oh man, six-year-old sugar rush back in the day. <laughs> Anyways, Topsy comes over to troll the shit out of Chomper. And Such an ass. scare him about his lost tooth, saying that he'll soon lose all his body parts. And by the end of the day, he'll be a pile of bones. Poor, poor, soon-to-be-dead Chomper. The gang takes Chomper to Mr. Big Nose, who tries to sort... Thick Nose. Big Nose. <laughs> who tries to sort all... Who's, who tries all sorts of sticky stuff to reattach Chomper's tooth. And he sounds wrong. He does sound wrong. He sounds so wrong. I mean, he changed actors. He did, but, but it he, just... he sounds... It, <sighs> he just sounds like a completely different person. Doesn't even sound like somebody trying to imitate the old actor. Yeah. But nothing works with all the sticky stuff that they're putting in Chopper's mouth. Giggity? Uh, Jesus. And Mr. Big Nose apologizes and then just walks away like a failure. <laughs> The gang decides to go ask Ruby, who doesn't have any teeth, but lived in the mysterious beyond, and she might know about this whole losing a tooth then turning into a pile of bones thing. Meanwhile, Sarah is being annoyed by Ruby, Thag, and Tria enjoying their hot mud bath. What kind of three-horn lays in mud? says Sarah snarkily. Back at the other half of the baby gang, Chomper is sniffing out the way to the mud pool, like the prehistoric bloodhound he is. <laughs> but he leads them into a cave where they get attacked by a swarm of stinging buzzers. Sarah continues to bitch about how bored she is, at <laughs> all while her friends run for their lives from the prehistoric murder bees. The gang finds their way out of the cave after Chomper trips and falls into a T-Rex skeleton that has no teeth, which of course compounds his fear that Topsy trolled into him. Poor Chomper, man. It Poor is a innocent cute... little baby. Oh, God, Chomper's so goddamn cute. <laughs> Imagine if they had made him more accurate with the fluff. Yeah. He would have been like... Little fluffy chicken boy. It, they would have been selling stuffed animal Chompers like hotcakes. You would have you I would have bought 50. You would have had a bed full of them. <laughs> baby Steps gets the idea to walk to the top of a mountain so they can get a good view of the Great Valley. They seem to walk to the mountain in less than a full day it should have taken. <laughs> and while traveling the cliffside, Ducky slips and falls, but is saved by Chomper, who then also trips and falls and almost dies. Chomper's tooth falls off the cliff, but Petrie saves it, braving the terrifying sky puffies to do so. God. I forgot to mention that, that they're just carrying around his tooth. Yeah, because they need to reattach it. Yeah, because they don't know he's going to grow a new one. Back at Sarah, who is still complaining about the mud bath, Tria tells her to just try it. And Sarah does, dipping one foot and exclaiming, It's warm. 
and then slipping and falling in. Back at the others, they're traversing the Swamp of Death, which I guess smells? And Chomper falls into some stinky sand, which looks... or sinky sand, which looks way more water-like. Mm-hmm. Baby Steps, Ducky, and Petrie save Chomper from the sinky swamp, but Chomper loses his tooth. His tooth that he's on a quest to restore into his mouth, and he gets depressed because of it. Baby Steps and Ducky leave Petrie to babysit Chomper while they head to the mud pool. At the mud pool, <laughs> Sarah is now all blissed out and enjoying the mud life. She leads Baby Steps and Ducky to Ruby, who is all blissed out as well. But when they're like, Chomper needs your help, Ruby and the others uh, snap out of it and set off. This was the best voice acting from Sarah's voice actress ever. Because it, she Complete goes, character change. Yeah, complete character change. Just, oh, hey, guys. Oh, hey, guys. How's it going? You should come relax. And just, so nice. And she, she's just so high. And even, even when everybody else snaps out of it, she's kind of just like, Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the rush? Like, just all of the tenseness of Sarah is gone momentarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they all... Yeah, so they all set off. When it gets revealed that Chomper lost his tooth, Sarah loses her shit, <laughs> saying that they ruined her relaxing day. Ruby reveals that Chomper losing his tooth is normal and she takes his hand and has him poke around inside his mouth and feeling his new tooth that's coming in chomper so happy and relieved bursts into song about how he feels like there's a bright circle shining inside of him we then cut to all the baby gang relaxing in the mud pool splashing around and chilling end of episode that one's a cute one that yeah uh the star day one aside from uh, uh some gripes about it was was pretty good, but I think that episode four, the yeah, mis- the mysterious tooth thingy, Majigger, uh, was probably my favorite so far mm-hmm. of of the initial episodes that we'd watch of the first couple. Because then there are some, because again we uh, we are still watching these because of how long it takes and also the moving. It also, with God, there's so much fucking shit to do around the house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there are some later in the first ten that we have watched that also are pretty good. Speaking of the first ten. Yes. Episode five. Yes. The Brave Long Neck Scheme. We oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this one. We open up with Sarah hiking and Baby Steps following. Huffing and puffing and being a little bitch about this. <laughs> about this uh, shortcut Sarah knows about. They both end up falling down a hill and sliding for some time before crashing. When the bush, when the brush and dust, when they brush the dust off of them, they notice a long neck herd and Baby Steps' favorite cousin to have fun with, Allie. <laughs> and when the two set off to greet Allie, who they have not seen since movie four. Sarah and Baby Steps are excited to see Allie, and they ask her to play. But Allie says no, because she, she has a new friend that she plays with. Rhett. Uh, uh, Rhett is a douche, a full-blown mm-hmm. little bastard in the same vein as Shorty from Movie 10. And I hate him as much as I hate Shorty, who is <laughs> uh, so full of shit. Talking about all his great adventures and how he single-handedly defeated Sharp Teeth. God. And... Just, uh, 
All the time, he knocks down trees and mountains with his tail because he's so brave and strong and totally not bullshitting bullshitter. But unfortunately, Allie is just dumb and believes Mm -hmm. all of Rhett's bullshit. Side note, I extra hate Rhett because I have a friend named Rhett and he's cool. Uh, He told me about this one time he beat up an army of robot ninjas while eating a burrito. (laughs) Doing... Eating a burrito, burrito and doing uh, physics all while on a skateboard. And unlike Rhett, Rhett's grand adventures are real. Because I know. Because he told me about them. I hope Rhett listens to this. <laughs> I would know if someone lied about big adventures, Kay. You sure it wasn't Halo Match or Warframe? Or... There, there, are, there are no robot ninjas and skateboards okay. and burritos in Halo, okay? Okay, but like, at least Warframe, there's robot ninjas, kinda. Kinda. No burritos, though. He could have been eating a burrito while playing Warframe. He's never played Warframe. How do you know? That's a good question. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, Baby Steps and Sarah are pissed off about Allie being so dumb, and they try to hatch a plan to make Allie realize Rhett is full of it. They decide to have Chomper play the villain and chase them around. and they'll nothing bad'll happen here. Because <laughs> surely nothing could go wrong. And they'll run to Rhett for safety in order to show Rhett is a cowardly short neck. Chomper agrees, and the gang launches into a song about friends for dinner, in which they make several food-related jokes like three-horn soup and long-neck stew. And this is a uh, nod to friends for dinner from Mysterious Island. Mm -hmm. Episode uh, five. Yeah, movie five. Movie five. So one thing I want to point out, though, about this fucking universe that they live in they have the concept of mixed ingredients to make specialty food but they don't know what rain is or the sun (laughs) they know what soup and stew are (laughs) but they don't know it's the bright circle and sky water yeah fucking hate this universe that's the (laughs) issue with their lyrics and the songs is that to try and make things work they add in anachronisms that in universe don't exist mm-hmm. because you never see anyone cook soup no you never see it you like, don't see them cook like ever no and so they're herbivores and they just fucking eat grass and berries yeah, yeah you never see that so it's just kind of like the fuck but the it's because of this is because they're like oh let's rhyme let's have fun word play <laughs> <laughs> Did Weber write some of this? Anyways, the gang is doing their pretend to be afraid of Chomper, but that's not convincing. So Sarah is like, no, be meaner and scarier. And they start the charade over again. After some more practice, they decide their deception is ready. We see Rhett and Allie, quote unquote, playing. (laughs) But the gang rushes in all, oh my God, we're all going to die. And when Chomper emerges to scare everyone, Rhett pisses himself and runs away, crying like a little bitch. The gang reveals their deception to Allie, who is like, I guess I can play with you guys, since Rhett is a lying liar who lies. But their victory's short-lived, because Rhett brings all the adults over to stomp Chomper to death. Mm-hmm. Chomper takes off, running for his life, while the gang tries to figure out a way to keep Chomper from being mashed into a puddle. Chomper runs and runs and falls and slides and runs and dashes and dives and escapes being smashed multiple times 
before running and being cornered by the angry herd. Chomper begs for his life, and the herd is like, <gasps> A talking sharp tooth? Well, how strange. I guess we have to kill him anyway. Mm -hmm. And the baby gang catches up and is like, Don't smash our friend! He's nice and he lives here! And Red is like, But, but, the sharp tooth was chasing them! And then it gets revealed that they deceived Rhett in order to prove that he's a liar. <laughs> and then we get the moral from the old Longneck who is like, Do you see what happens when you lie to each other? Hmm? Lying is bad, so don't do it. And the <laughs> gang decides to forgive and play together. They include Rhett in their dino tag game. End episode. This one... It exists. It, it's not terrible. Yeah, it's not it, terrible. It's but... got some cute stuff. Yeah. But it's it's also just meh. It's it's kind of a a lackluster episode to bring Allie back for. Yeah. Because they bring Allie back and she's just... I mean, for one, it's like if you hadn't seen a friend in a while, like, hey, let's go do something. They're like, no, I have a new friend that I yeah. do stuff with. Yeah. You'd be like, well, fuck you then. Like, yeah. You... Which is kind of Sarah's... Yes, approach because Sarah was like more excited than Littlefoot to see Allie. Yeah, because you know they had you know they were adversarial and mm. then they became friends, enemies to lovers, and <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Allie. It's it's the big ship nowadays. OTP Sarah Allie, but no, it's <sighs> it's so lackluster, and you don't. I don't know. It, I wish that they had brought Allie back for a different episode. Or at least if she came back, she wasn't a complete twat. Like, yeah. You could, have, you could have had an episode with her coming back and having a, kind of a repeat difficulty of accepting maybe Chomper as yeah. a new friend. Being yeah. like, you guys, like, you could even have a little bit of that attitude of like, you guys are friends with a sharp tooth. He eats us. Like, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Mm -hmm. But instead, it's just... No, I have my new super big smart brave friend who yeah. does all this cool stuff, and we play the same game over and over again called Sharp Tooth Attack, where mm -hmm. I just get rescued by him over and over, and it's super boring. But I can't play with anybody else. It's so dumb because nobody else can knock down trees and move mountains. <laughs> just like, boy, Allie. Okay, it's just inbreeding its finest right there. Uh, <laughs> Episode 6, The Meadow of Jumping Waters. <laughs> the gang is laying on their backs in a field, staring up at the sky, watching the sky puffies change shapes. Thag wanders away while the others are watching the sky, that is until they hear Petrie cry, Oh God! Thag! Why? Oh Gods, no! <laughs> and the gang rushes over to see what's the matter. Turns out, Thag is at some red thing tree stars some red thingy tree stars which i guess are bad luck in the pagan dino religion everyone tries to tell petrie that uh this bad luck story that he heard from his creepy uncle tyranno is nonsense <laughs> but petrie is like but i can't stop thinking about it so ruby tries to divert petrie from his psychosis by telling him about a story from the mysterious beyond where ruby and chomper were getting chased by red claw who is chasing them through a geyser field. And Sarah interrupts the story to be like, Jumping water, are you high? <laughs> and Ruby and Chomper are like, No, but jumping water goes high. We'll show you. 
and the gang starts to sing. Adventuring, adventuring, we're gonna, we gotta go, go adventuring, adventuring, adventuring. Kay does it better. Wanna go adventuring, da, 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 da. You know what I would like to hear, I guess not see, I'd like to hear death metal remakes of like children's songs. <laughs> If that doesn't already exist. I want to go adventuring, adventuring, adventuring. Yeah, exactly. That hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about doing it too, but I didn't want to experience what you're experiencing right now. Huh. It's not too bad. It just... <laughs> <sighs> See, I, I'm, I, I, I'm a little out of practice with doing our podcast, uh, hence all of the mess ups I've made. But also I can feel it in my throat. It's like, you haven't talked this much in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, plus all the dust from the backyard. Just... Oh my god. Living in a desert sucks, you guys. If you have the option to not <laughs> live in a desert, I 100% encourage you to not live in a desert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tone so, deaf PSA, don't live in a desert. Don't live in a desert. The song ends and Sarah is like, fine, let's go see this water that supposedly <laughs> jumps. And the gang sets out and gets lost which sends Petrie into a panic of, We're all gonna die! <laughs> but then Ruby is like, Oh, it's this way. And then they're walking. Lightning strikes a tree and lights it on fire. The flaming tree falls over and scares everyone. And Petrie is like, See? You see? We're cursed because Thag ate the bad luck stars. <laughs> and everyone blows him off. Baby steps, steps on the ground, pricklies, and hurts his foot. And has to walk on three legs. And Fucking he's, burr buttercups. And, and he's afraid to tell the gang because he doesn't want Petrie to be like, See? Bad luck. And what I hate about that is our dog will step on him. And you know what she does? She fucking picks him out with her teeth. And then then I come over and I'm like, no, let me get it. Let that's me get true. it. That's, let me get it. I was going to say, that's true. Um, if we notice that she stepped on something, we're the first to get there. But, you know, I've seen her... Pick it mm. out of her foot, fine. So it's yeah. all like, I'm like, with these guys, I'm like, you guys are fucking animals. Like, mm -hmm. do what animals do. Pick mm -hmm. it out. Anyways, Petrie tells Thag to eat some non-bad luck food, and Thag goes for it. But he gets his head stuck in a log and swings it around in a panic. <laughs> Another latte moment. Oh my god. I don't know if we ever... Oh yeah, we weren't doing... Wait, were we doing we weren't doing this yeah. when it happened. Uh, when we first got our dog, uh, 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 there was a vase that got left outside because it had been rinsed, had some, some nasty stuff in it. And it was left out where the dog could get into, and the dog, Latte, mm -hmm. smelled something. So she stuck her head in to investigate the smell. God. And got her head stuck in a face <laughs> and flailed around in a panic and then smashed the vase and freed herself. Mm -hmm. But got a little cut on her forehead. That she proceeded to open over and over and over, but it, she couldn't wear a cone. Because <laughs> it was itchy. Yep, and she couldn't wear a cone because she was still very feral still at that very point. Feral. Yeah. <laughs> and Nobody the cone puts a cone was, on baby. The cone was instant death to her. <laughs> Nobody puts baby in a coner. <laughs> Petrie tells Thag to eat some non-bad luck food. Oh, I did that. Uh... <laughs> He, swing, he gets his head stuck in a log, and he's swinging around in a panic. Ruby helps Thag get it dislodged. Petrie tries to keep saying, it's bad luck, and Baby Steps is like, it's not bad luck, that's bad. It's you pointing out the bad luck, that's bad. And the sky then pisses all over them. <laughs> but then the bright circle comes out, and then the gang walks some more before sliding on the muddy ground and crashing into one another. <laughs> 
But luckily, the mud pushes them into the sheltered grass. Yeah, sheltered grass, which is where the jumping groundwater is supposed to be. As the gang is walking, we see Red Claw turn around and be like, <clears throat> and the gang <laughs> walks and walks some more before getting to some sulfur pools and being like, ew, it stinks. But they press on and getting and get to the jumping water and sing a song about how cool it is without uh, any kind of acknowledgement regarding how this water is fucking hot. Mm-hmm. How hot? Hot enough that it should have scalded Red Claw to death in the beginning flashback. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Thag falls in some sticky, stinky mud, and they decide to wash him off with a geyser. God damn! And we even okay. see some steam coming out of the geyser, so they should know that this is murder water. So, I don't know how many people listening have read, like, the book Deaths in Yellowstone, or have seen all of the different news articles about people deciding to walk onto the thin crust of the Yellowstone geyser areas and the hot pool areas. But no, there is a reason that there are boardwalks because you fall in. If you don't die, you will scald yourself. And uh, they describe with one of the folks that fell in and he was conscious enough um, as they were trying to save him he did not feel anything because the nerves, nerves fried. were fried yeah. off. That is how just... This one could have been better if they hadn't been like, oh, we can walk into geysers and walk... And like even those hot mud pools, they are hot mm-hmm. mud. Oh, yeah. They are not it's boiling. warm mud. It's boiling. It, and that will stick to you. It's even worse than the water. Just... No, no, even like bison will fall in and die. Mm-hmm. Not to mention these ba- the baby gang is completely ruining the bacterial blooms <laughs> in so, that area. That was going to be my PSA. Don't dick around hot springs because you might fall in and screw up the natural ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, fuck you if you're being a dumb asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're... Uh, and also keep your kids on leashes at Yellowstone, please. Like, keep them tight. Hold on to them tight. Don't let them run off because deaths in Yellowstone, most of them are either teenagers, kids, or 20-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And if your dog goes in, don't go after the dog. Oh, fun tangent. Uh, the first time I ever went to Yellowstone, I was a, a uh, young teenager, prepubescent, and I went with my dad, and uh, we were in the parking lot. Uh, my... Yeah, it was big. It was not Big Ben. Jesus, Old Faithful. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were bison that were chilling around one of the areas there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in the car as my dad went somewhere and I'm just watching the bison. And when my dad comes back and we're getting ready to leave, we see this young 20-something, dumb as shit asshole, walk up and take his hat off. Jesus. And put his hat on the bison. No. And the bison turned around and just smacked him right in the ass like he did like rammed him then flipped him up and sent him skyward mm-hmm. and then the and knocked his hat off in the process and then the guy you know got up and, and ran away yeah kind of thing but here i am like a oh god i'm probably 10 11 mm-hmm. maybe seeing that just like i can't believe i witnessed that and at the same time i'm like going if that guy if i was a kid watching that guy die i would have been like yeah you deserve it <laughs> 
Yeah. There's signs everywhere yeah. saying don't go up to the murder cows. Yeah. God. Ugh. Bison are fucking terrifying, too. My hell. <laughs> but anyways, <sighs> they decide that uh, this boiling hot water is perfect temperature to give Thag a bath. Jesus. Thag has a nice shower, but he still stinks, and the gang heads back, and they get ambushed by Red Claw and his crappy raptor cronies. Thag appears to be immune from the baddies because he stinks, and the sharp teeth ignore him. But baby gang gets cornered. But the baby gang gets cornered by Red Claw and the Raptors, and Thag rushes to save the day by yelling at them mm-hmm. and then cowering in fear. Lucky for him, his stench is so bad it drives the sharp teeth away. Good thing, cause Thag's momentary bravery was really just walnut-sized smooth brain planning. Mm-hmm. The gang thanks Thag again, and after a brief back and forth about good. Good luck versus bad luck versus good thinking, they all head back home and hold their noses. <laughs> the end. Oh. I, 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 this episode I thought was, it was a weak It was one. pretty dumb overall. Mm-hmm. You've got just a lot of really dumb aspects to it. Yeah. And just especially Thag being like, I'm going to save my friends. Oh no. Yeah. I'm going to cower. Don't eat me. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a weak episode. It's a, good it's thing, a very weak one. It's a good thing you rolled around in shit, Thag. Episode 7, The Great Long Running Game. Oh, God. We open up with some quality family time with the Three-Horn Clan and Tria reminiscing about how delicious these tree sweets are. They look like papaya, and they fall down and splatity-splat everywhere. But one lands onto Topsy's horn, and he offers it to his lady, who thanks him and noms it. (laughs) He then gives his daughter the wisdom of Three-Horn Supremacy, stating that Anything three horns want to do, they can do, and better than anyone else. Jesus. And Sarah and Trisha laugh, and and the screen fades to ba- to black, and then the title song comes in. Mm-hmm. Wow, I ruined that. Back from the intro, Ducky is learning that they are not a three horn, and therefore can't do things well, like getting papaya. Ducky gets the idea to use a log to reach the fruit, and she invents a new spinning game on the water. Ducky, while in inventing a new game slash sport slash liability, <laughs> fails to get the fruit, and the scene changes to the Threehorn family, where Trisha and Tria are snuggling, and Sarah is rolling, uh, is rolling, is rolling away to round rock back forth. What? Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> Prolonged exposure to this TV series <laughs> has a similar effect to doing too many drugs, I think, or drinking too much alcohol, but without any of the fun. It just results in, in brain cell loss. Oh, God. So, deciphering my own notes, Sarah is rolling a way too round rock like a ball, back and forth with her father. <laughs> Sarah asks her father, Are three horns really the greatest and all others are inferior? <laughs> I've had several movies prove otherwise. And Topsy launches into a song about how three horns are, in fact, the bestest best of all dinosaurs, because he's a third Reichhorn. <laughs> After the very bland song ends, we jump to Ducky, showing the other inferior dinosaur species her new log-rolling game slash trick slash liability. 
except only two dino except only dinos with two legs are any good at it as mm-hmm. baby steps mentions that four leggers have a hard time getting their legs that close together ruby gives the old log trick uh loop ruby gives the log trick a try and crashes chomper does it slightly better and petrie wimps out Chomper says that he can beat Ducky's high score, and Ducky is like, Sharp Tooth, please. And the gang decides <laughs> to practice and then have an ultimate log rolling showdown. While the two leggers are practicing, Sarah wanders in to be like, What's this new thing? And the gang explains this two legger racing game. Sarah gets all, My dad says three horns are the rightful rulers of the world. Fuck all lower species. And decides to prove that and tries decides to try and prove her supremacy. Sarah eats shit and splat and uh, sprains her ankle, thus proving that three horns are in fact better at everything than any other species. Oh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> Thag helps escort Sarah back to Tria, who gives uh, Sarah some prehistoric first aid by putting soothing leaves on her leg and having Trisha slather it with cool mud. Tria tells Sarah she'll have to stay off her ankle because she's a failure at the long-running game. <laughs> Back at the log-running game, there are three logs and four contestants, so Fag and Baby Steps go to get an extra log so all participants so all participants can practice this new log-running game. They almost kill Petrie in the process. <laughs> yeah. But now Petrie gets to practice on his on his uh, attempted murder log instead of waiting <laughs> for his turn. So as they're like getting a log, they roll it into the water and it like almost crushes Petrie on its way down. Yeah. They're like, hey, we got you a log. And Petrie's like, yeah, thanks. Thanks, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Back at the Three Horn Clan, Sarah breaks her mud cast and is like, all better. Time to go win that log racing game. What log racing game? Topsy asks as he enters the scene and gives Sarah the exposition about the rules of a log and Sarah gives the exposition about the rules of the log running game. Topsy goes back on his three horn supremacy nonsense by being like, Three horns can do anything they want, but racing on logs, cause we're just too amazing to waste our time with such stupid yeah, nonsense. Yeah. And he tells Sarah to not log race, because some things are not meant to be. Sarah gets pissed off and sings a I'm pissed off song before mm-hmm. going back to the group to prove that she's the best at arbitrary plot points. God. Sarah gets her own log and attempts to mount it, but the plot <laughs> demands that she... Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't intend it that way. Dad told me I can't mount logs, but I'm going to be the best log mounter there is. Fuck. But the plot demands that she get pulled away down the river and toward the roaring falls of death. The rest of the gang then rushes off to save Sarah, but some, uh, some by land and others by water, but we get a brief moment of Sarah's dad being like, where is Sarah? She better not have gone to that water place to play that log game. I told her we're super good at it, but don't play it because it's not worth our time. <laughs> Sarah- God, Topsy's such a dumbass. <laughs> right? Sarah's dad, with the help of Baby Steps and Thag, pushes a big rock into the river and blocks the falls so that they can save Sarah. Sarah apologizes to her dad for disobeying, and Topsy says he's glad Sarah is okay. Back at the log game... Ducky asks Sarah if she still wants to play, and Sarah is like, Psh, why? 
I have nothing to prove. Besides, if I did, I'd win, because I'm a three-horn. And she goes to step away, steps on a log, and falls into the water, going, I meant to do that. And everyone laughs and laughs, because Sarah's pride will eventually be the death of her. (laughs) No moral was learned. Thanks, Topsy, you racist fuck. End Uh, episode. Yeah, another weaker episode. Another episode where there was the attempt, like, there there was the opportunity to have a character learn something. Yeah. But instead, no. Nah, nah. Didn't learn anything. God. Episode 8. The Legend of the Story Speakers. <laughs> and then I have in then I have in parentheses. Who comes up with these fucking titles? <laughs> this this episode has the best line in the entire series, though. If I don't mention it, you'll have to talk about it. I think you wrote it down okay. because we paused it just so that you could. That's <laughs> oh, probably. Oh God, everything just blends together. The show opens up with Gpa Big Steps saying. And that's why tree stars change colors. And I'm sure it was a riveting story full of (laughs) twists and turns, love and loss, and triumph and tribulation. Or just pure bullshit about why leaves turn orange and brown. Anyways, the kids ask for another story, and G-Pa Big Steps talks about many cold times ago, there was a long neck named Star Watcher, who used to watch the stars. Now... Was he always named this, or was his name Bill? And because he was always watching the stars, the others started calling him Bill, who watches the stars. And then, that that didn't stick, so they just started calling him Bill, the star watcher. And then eventually, the original people who named him that died. So Bill started introducing himself to new people as star watcher, because he's pretentious. And that name just sticks over the years. I have a feeling these questions will never be answered. Anyways, Star Watcher, named because he always watches the fucking stars, was being his namesake one night when the stars in the sky came down and were like, Bruh, do you come here every night and just creep on us? How, how would you like it if we creeped on you, huh? And the Star Watcher is like, Oh, please creep on me. And the story is rudely interrupted by Sorrow. Sorrow? Sorrow. Sorrow, who is like, you're telling the wrong, you're telling the story wrong, you old bastard. (laughs) And G-Pop Big Steps is like, is that really you? And Sorrow was like, like green food in cold times. It might shrink away, but it always grows back. (laughs) So do ball sacks, Sorrow. I guess Sorrow is a ball sack. Because like green food in cold times, he might shrink away, but it always grows back. And even his neck looks like a wrinkly testicle sack. (laughs) That line (laughs) just came out of fucking nowhere. All three of us lost it. Well, you and I were laughing the hardest. Yeah. Shay was, Shay didn't, didn't take it into the dirty way like we did initially. Mm -hmm. And then when we were laughing really hard, Shay was like, oh no, like you two. (laughs) I was not expecting such a great dick joke <laughs> in a land before time. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh, so true. Uh, G-Pop Big Steps gives the exposition that Testicle Neck was a longtime friend who is a bard and just wanders around telling stories. The kids are like, cool, prove it, tell us a story. 
And then they tell and then uh, they tell the kids the origin of how long necks got their long necks. Cause a long time ago, long necks had short necks, but the trees were also shorter then. But the bright circle in the sky liked star trees, and so it pulled them closer to it, and so the trees got bigger. And so the long necks had the the short necked long necks couldn't eat now. And the night circle felt sad for the short necks, because the bright circle is a prick. So <laughs> the night circle used its magic to make the short necks feel better. And then the short necks tried to reach the night circle, and in doing so, their necks grew and grew to where they could reach the tree stars. So evolution was wrong. Take that, Darwin. Magic day and night gods are why evolution happens. Lamarck was correct! Lamarckian evolution! So, so, uh, just so we, so, yes, that's, I mean, it's true. If, if I just stretch myself on a rack, I will get taller. It's just, that's how it works. Or that's a medieval torture. If, if I hang weights from my dick, my dick will get bigger. <laughs> and then I'll be able to play jump rope with it. I could tie it in a bow. I can wear it like a necktie. I could slap people around with it. Does your dick hang low? Does it wobble too? <laughs> can you tie it in a knot? Can you tie it in a bow? Fuck. Anyways, <laughs> Testicle Neck is here to try and get Jeepa to be a wandering storyteller again. Because times are changing and Long Necks don't remember their traditions anymore. But Jeepa is like, um, I'm old. I don't really want to wander the world anymore. I'm old. And Sorrow, Sorrow's Testicle Neck gets very angry and is like, Bruh, bruh, the stories, bruh, the stories. And then he stomps off all angry and shit. Grandpa Big Steps laments about how he doesn't remember the stories like he used to, and how he hoped that Sero and his testicle neck would be the new <laughs> storyteller. But Sero's testicle neck is too shriveled and angry to talk right now. So Big Steps, so Baby Steps, uh, sets out to tell Sero not to be such a sensitive testicle. But when Baby Steps is searching, he runs into Chomper, who is like, "I have a good sniffer. I'll help you." And the duo sets out to find Sorrow, the overly sensitive ball sack long neck. <laughs> they catch up to Sorrow, who's all sulking and shit. And they're like, hey, come back with us. And he's like, no. And then they're like, why? And he's like, cause Big Steps <laughs> turned his back on the stories, brah. And they're like, bruh, why can't you be the storyteller? And Sorrow was like, uh, I can't, brah. I just can't. My ball sack neck is too sensitive to be the storyteller. <laughs> and then he stomps off in anger and causes the entire fucking mountain range to come crashing down around them. <sighs> the heads of the penis-shaped rocks all snap off and fall, cascading towards the dinos. Sero manages to save the babies, but just barely. Yeah, so the canyon that they're in, every single peak of the mountains around them look like dicks. We have that type of rock structure here in Utah. They're called hoodoos. Hoodoos? Mm-hmm. You can find them uh, on what? the way to Grand Junction, Colorado. What causes hoodoos to look like cocks? Erosion. Like wind erosion and That's stuff. Because they're usually in canyons. I think water erosion, too. It's just such an odd shape. I just took her like that naturally all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just... 
Sherpa. Baby or dinosaur carvers liked to make those and uh their fascination with penises. <laughs> Just like modern day podcasters. Baby steps and chomper are like Oh no, we're trapped in this canyon of shafts surrounded by heads. <laughs> and then they sing an, Oh no, we're trapped, what will we do? Song. Saro senses that the kids are scared, and he decides to tell them the story of Tall, Sh- Tall Stepper, who Jesus. was a great long neck leader. When Tall Stepper was a kid, he and his sister were playing and racing, and they were so good and so fast, the wind got jealous of them. So the wind stole Tall Stepper's sister and challenged Tall Stepper to a race. Tall Stepper raced the wind, and he beat the wind and saved his sister. And uh, the moral is courage, because racing the elements is uh, yeah. very, very applicable to this trapped in a canyon situation. Yeah, <laughs> didn't you say it's basically the story of Buffalo? Not Buffalo. Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill. Well, I. It's what it felt like it was going towards was Pecos Bill, where he had to... I I thought that it was going to be that Tall Stepper had to lasso a... Tornado. Tornado right. with his tail or That's some right. shit. I didn't think it would be racing down the mountain. Racing the wind down the mountain. Yeah, but yeah. Because it's been a long time since I watched that one, because Soro kind of creeped me out. Um, <laughs> Him and his testicle neck. Him and his testicle neck, but uh, yeah... It felt like Pecos Bill at the start, and then it went into, I don't know, some, just, no. (laughs) After the story, the gang is rescued by the Great Valley Longnecks who followed the footsteps and heard the rock slide. G-Paw Big Steps goes to Saro and is like, bruh, you should be the storyteller. And Saro is like, what? Me? (laughs) I, I can't. And the babies are like, you told us a story, and they're, and, <clears throat> you told us a story, and they're like, see, you can be the story speaker, not teller, because speaker is better. It's in the title. <laughs> and Sarah was like, oh, oh, brah, I'm going to be the story speaker. Hey, hey, this calls for a story, brah, of the, the story of the first story speaker named First Voice, brah. Goddamn. And it all trails off from there as the gang heads out of the penis canyon. (laughs) End episode. Yeah, this... (laughs) This one, other than, like, the great line in it... Eh. Eh. It's not as good. You know, I I do like the idea of, like, a storyteller, you know, someone passing down oral traditions. Yeah. And to be fair, in the context of this universe, the stories that they were telling, sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have science. uh, You have to have a way to try and explain Mm -hmm. unexplainable things, grand mysteries and whatnot. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I thought the the confrontation was kind of dumb. Yep. You know, uh, that kind of thing. Cool idea. Poor execution. Yeah, boy, that's a... Boy, getting some deja vu with that line. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, a story... T- and especially having long necks, which would have been... Like, sauropods would probably have been the longer-lived species. Having them being the storytellers. I refuse to call them story speakers. Um, that, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. 
and it could have been a much better god i don't i don't know how you could have changed it but i feel like the execution could have been been done better uh, yeah i i mean yeah it's one of those I've, we've we've both rewritten so many of these things mm-hmm. so many times that I just mm-hmm. don't have the added energy for this one at this moment. No, I don't either. There what? are episodes that need the revision more than this one, so eh. <gasps> episode nine, the bright circle celebration. Oh my God, Petrie. <laughs> 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 okay, before we launch into this one. Petrie absolutely is like a religious fanatic. If he is, at, well, I mean, absolutely because he's already a flyer supremacist. Yes, yeah, he's a flyer supremacist. He had his freak out about flying over the smoking mountains. He had his freak out about fag eating red tree stars. This one takes him full blown. Like he's he would probably burn sarah at the stake mm-hmm. at the end of this one if it wasn't witch, for kids you're a witch. <laughs> my hell <laughs> the sky god demands a this sacrifice one, this one i it's it's such a unexpected like uh, uh, this one's so fucking wild mm-hmm. this one is so wild to cover in a kids show <laughs> All right. So episode nine, the Bright Circle Celebration. We open up on sunshine in the Great Valley and Petrie being so excited about this being the day. And the gang is like, why is Peckerface so excited? They hear Petrie cry out, oh no! And they rush off to save Petrie from something that's probably is not danger, just Mm -hmm. disappointment. I sure wish somebody would save me for my disappointment in this show. (laughs) Anyways, right after the intro, uh, right after the intro song, the gang catches up with Petrie, who is like, Oh no! This place is a mess! And he then reminds the gang that it's Bright Circle Celebration Day, and goes to try and push this log, and he just can't move it, because he's tiny. (laughs) Ruby admits that she doesn't know what this day is all about. And Petrie is like, what? You don't know? And Sarah tells everyone to leave before Petrie ropes them into working all day. (laughs) And turns out that the day day entails sharing their favorite cold time foods and talking about what they learned since the last Bright Circle celebration. And they can do this in order to keep the Bright Circle happy so it shines longer. My hell. So I guess if you flubbed this celebration, you could cause the sun to fuck your shit up? Mm-hmm. Sarah is a non-believer who is poo-pooing the entire thing. They guilt Sarah into helping because what if she's wrong? Don't you want? Don't you want to go to? Do you want to go to Bright Circle Hell, Sarah? And while the kids are all pushing the log out of the way, Mister Big Nose comes to help and is like, "Good to see you kids are getting a start on the celebration." And they go about their business, clearing and gathering and cleaning. Sarah gets sick of it all and leaves this nonsense, saying that it's all bullshit superstition. <laughs> Sarah goes back to her nest and talks to her father about the Bright Circle stupidity. Topsy and Sarah sing a song about how there are no mysteries. Life is life. Rock is a rock. Tree is a tree. The world is flat. 
The sky is round, yep. and life is what you see. Yep. No mysteries. <laughs> they were one step away from when we die, we're rotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we die, we rot. Back at the Believers, they're still gathering stuff for the celebration, like roots. Bright Circles love roots. They ask Baby Steps if he's learned anything to make the Bright Circle proud, and Baby Steps shows how he's almost as strong as Thag. And <laughs> Thag is like, bitch, please. <laughs> and he helps Baby Steps move the log. Back at the non-believers, Sarah and Topsy are eating heathen leaves and not celebrating the glory of the sky circle. <laughs> Tria and Trisha come back and are like, we found some stuff to celebrate the bright circle. And Topsy's like, that's dumb. Nom, 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 nom. And Tria is like, well, we're going to participate and leaves with Trisha. Sarah starts to feel left out and is like, maybe we could go and help and still not believe? You know, to be included. We could even make fun of them afterwards. And Topsy is like, oh, okay, I guess we can do that. And the daddy-daughter duo set off to watch all the believers do their superstition rituals. However, the Bright Circle is displeased with the lack of proper adherence to the old ways and sends a fire rock to explode in the Great Valley and cause a wildfire. Everyone panics and scrambles to try and put out the fire. Sarah and Topsy even help, but that's not enough. Luckily for everyone in the valley, or unlucky if you have any understanding of weather, the sky sprinkles some frozen sky water, which helps put out the wildfire. Yep. Because I don't know why this is dumb. Speaking of dumb, it snowed like a fuck ton. Yeah. The entire valley is covered in it, and just like previous times, no one is bothered by how cold it should be for these warm weather animals. And they all <sighs> sing and celebrate about how happy they are that they uh, survived. I don't I know. I feel so happy. I want everyone <laughs> to see. It's like the bright circle is shining inside me. I hate that I know these. <laughs> yeah, the because the entire point of the bright circle celebration was to give thanks so that the bright circle shines brighter and for longer so that they have more warm times and it fucking snows. Yeah. So by their own prehistoric logic, wouldn't that mean something Terrible? Like the Bright Circle has now forsaken them and the cold times are now upon them forever or some shit? I don't know. Why am I trying to extrapolate a deeper meaning? They all eat food, sing about how it feels like there's a Bright Circle shining inside of them, and then they play and slide in the snow and laugh. Yeah, they, they kind of lose the plot towards the end of that one. <sighs> was there much of a plot to hold no, on to? No, there just, wasn't. Uh, but yeah. they lose the paper-thin plot that they had. Because it, it, it felt like they were... I don't know why they were trying to do an atheism versus theism type argument in a children's show. Yeah. that's what it it did kind of feel like that it was interesting too how so awkward how they kind of had the non-believers being like well we can go participate and still not believe kind of yeah like which is i mean fair i mean christmas and easter yeah when you consider Mm. uh uh holidays people celebrate holidays even if they don't believe in in the the religious aspect of it um it it was i don't know it was just a weird episode it but it yeah we were we were a hair 
away from Petrie, demanding that they sacrifice the non-believers yes. to appease the yes. sky gods. <laughs> it's like both sides just look terrible in it, which maybe that <laughs> was the point, is don't be an extremist on either side. I don't know. But, I don't know. But the fact... It was, it was badly done. <laughs> and, and the fact that just the snowing and yeah. how it snows a shit ton. Yeah. It's not like a little bit. It's not like a little bit that you could be like, oh, it's just kind of a weather phenomenon. Well, I mean, it snows so much. Yeah. And I'm just like that. All your food is dead, guys. Yeah. All your food is now dead. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> you gotta move. <laughs> gotta move or die. This is like, the plot of, of, like, what? Episode 8? Which one was? Movie 8, movie yeah. Eight. I just... Uh, it they, was movie 8. They all and blend together. It, it, uh... It, it also... It was kind of interesting that the uh, Bright Circle celebration only involved our baby gang with Chompy and Ruber, Ruby... Chomper and Ruby. Ruber. Jesus Christ. Ruber would be, uh, oh God. I think Ruber would be their, their it would be their ship name yeah. or Chompy. But, um, Chomper and Ruby and the baby gang and then the baby gang's family and Mr. Thicknose. That was it. Not even Mr. Clubnail, Clubtail, not, uh, the Carithosaurus family. Yeah, it was kind of a sparse. None of the others. It was kind of a sparse, uh, a cast, wasn't it? Yeah, and, like, I get it. You gotta save on animation, but... If it's supposed to be, like, a valley-wide yeah, celebration. if it's supposed to be a valley-wide thing, then... Come on. Come on. I mean, the show was canceled in 2000 eight but still <laughs> come on so i had a realization uh when we do the other parts we don't have to do an intro like we did for part one so i can read this last episode and then we'll pick off with episode oh one. yeah we can do that okay so uh going congratulations y'all get yeah. an extra episode bonus today. episode aren't you Woo! lucky actually listeners. this one's good uh Okay, I'll have to read my notes again because I don't quite remember. Yeah. So, episode... This is the one I'm thinking of. This one's pretty good. Episode 10, Escape from the Mysterious Beyond. Yes, this one's really good. We open up with the kids spelunking and being like, What's the point of an adventure if we don't explore? Oddly enough, that line came from Sarah, who is usually the one complaining about going places (laughs) they shouldn't. But what's this continuity if not... What is what is continuity if not a ten-letter word that almost no one working on this series cares about? <laughs> Anyways, the gang makes it out of the cave and into the sunlight. I mean, bright circle light. <laughs> they wander around in a part of the Great Valley they've not explored, when suddenly, the great and terrible Red Claw bursts through the trees, and they're like, Oh, yeah, this is the mysterious beyond. And all of us watching are like, how (laughs) the fuck is this the Mysterious Beyond? It looks nothing like the Mysterious Beyond at any point we've ever seen in the Mm -mm. show. As mentioned before, continuity is a ten-letter word few people working on the show give a fuck about. Anyways, Red Claw chases the babies around and they decide to head into the narrow cliffside. Too, Too narrow for Red Claw to follow, except... Red Claw has raptor hench dinos who chase the babies on the narrow cliff path. One of the shitty raptors catches them mm-hmm. and lets out a shriek to notify the other. And if you had Earthshake on your bingo card, <laughs> take a shot and slap yourself because that's exactly what happens. The gang gets separated and Chomper and Ducky are stranded on a rocky outcropping. Their friends are like, whoa, sucks to be you guys. 
I guess we'll come back for you if we feel like it. And they take off. <laughs> Ducky and Chomper are safe until the raptor bursts out from under rubble and tries to eat the two, but his tail is trapped. The other baby gang are trying to find their way back when they come across a pile of rocks in an animation cell and the other <laughs> raptor and the other raptor bursts out and chases them through the canyon and right into Red Claw. The gang is able to run through his legs and escape for now. Meanwhile, back at Chomper and Ducky, Thud, the raptor, is talking to Chomper in Sharptooth and being like, I'm gonna eat you. And then, and then a conversation starts up about why Chomper is not eating Ducky, and Thud does not believe Chomper and Ducky are friends. Mm-hmm. He thinks Chomper wants to eat Ducky himself. The other kids have reached the starting point of where they first encountered Red Claw and ran into the canyon, and now they're like, well, fuck. We have to save our friends, and we can't save them because of these sharp teeth motherfuckers. <laughs> and then they get chased again. <laughs> Back at Chomper and Ducky, and Thud, I guess, Ducky <laughs> Ducky gets scared by Thud trying to eat her, and her and Chomper sing a song about how everything will be okay. Meanwhile, the other baby gang evades Red Claw and Screech by hiding in some rooty trees that have, like, a fucking underground path or something, <laughs> and Baby Steps starts talking about using the trees to rescue Chomper and Ducky from their little rocky island. The gang sings the adventuring song about mm-hmm. how they need to save their friends. They escape the tangle trees and see Ducky and Chomper on their distant rocky isolation. The babies reunite and laugh at Thud for being stuck and not being able to eat them. The gang goes and finds a tree, and Baby Steps and Thag knock a tree over to use as a bridge, like they've done a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. As Chomper and Ducky get rescued... Uh, Chomper looks back at Thud, who is all sad, because his friends don't care about him at all. Chomper feels bad for Thud and kicks some rocks off his tail to give him a chance to escape. As the gang gets rescued, Thud knocks the, oh, uh, Thag knocks the tree branch into the canyon. Mm-hmm. When Thud frees himself, he's able to get a running jump and get to safety. As the baby gang reunited, as the baby gang reunited, tries to get back home, they are chased by the sharp teeth, including Thud. And when they hide, Thud sees where they are. Instead of giving them up to Red Claw, he leads them in a different direction so the babies can get away to safety. So, do a solid for your enemy and they might do a solid for you? I don't know. End, it's it's end an the interesting one because... It is. It, it's... The conversation between Chomper and Thud is like... Thud is doing a lot of like, oh, you're too little, and oh, he keeps calling, yeah, little, yeah. little, to- little sharp tooth, or yeah, whatever. little sharp tooth, little one, and just uh, really getting on Chomper. But you kind of get a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a little bit of a revelation with Thud, Screech, and Red Claw's dynamics, and that it is purely work. It is not a friendship between those three. It is purely. You know, these two raptors work together, and they are basically the yeah, they're, they're, run-down hounds yeah, for they, Red Claw. It's all about uh, food and survival. There's, yeah. there's no there's no kinship. Yeah. There's no, yeah, they're not friends at all, like you're saying. It's, and, it's just, they, they're co-workers. They're, yeah. They're co-workers, and their pay is not dying of starvation. Yes, and I will say I wish that 
future <laughs> episodes. I guess that's kind of our pay too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's how it not, is. It not dying of starvation. That's capitalism. Capitalism yeah. is screech, thr- screech, thud, and red claw. But uh, the I don't know. I I love this episode, but also it does give me kind of a what could have been with this series because if it had been a serialized series you could explore that more but because they were making it episodic because at the time tv shows for kids were episodic you don't get uh very many shows aimed at younger kids um because steven universe i would say the first two seasons are aimed at younger kids, and then it kind of grows with the generation that watched it. Um, One thing I will say that, like, because, you know, in, since you brought up Steven Universe, is that his character does age and he does yeah. grow, which yeah. is something that is nice to see. Mm. Um, it, and I think is smarter when you're doing a television series because you're able to, at least in part, age with your audience. Yes. And I feel like it makes it more relevant to your audience for longer. Yeah. Um, if they ever did a reboot or, or a continuation of the series, you know, that would be a smart thing to do, mm-hmm. is to age the characters up at least a little bit. But, like, what, what I was going to go into with this was um, they could have gone the route of Beast Wars and had... Thud become the Dinobot mm. a little bit. Yeah. But, and this is spoilers for the series, that does not happen. Which does make me a little bit bittersweet about this episode. Because I love this episode because of the character development that you get a seed planted for it. But they don't ever do anything with it because of the nature of the Land Before Time TV series being purely episodic purely yeah. slice of life it, it's yeah it, there's no there isn't really at least from what we've seen an overarching story at yeah, least there under is the surface not. um which i don't know i yeah it's one of those things that it's it's a product of its time one of the problems with the show is that it is it's it's manufactured. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a labor of love. It's no. very much a product mm-hmm. to make money, you know, to sell commercials, is. to sell toys, mm-hmm. which, you know. Which they didn't do any toys for these. Like, it's. Really? They did not do mm. much in the way of tie-ins for this, which really, you know, if you're going to do a show that's like this, then you've got to be having something to market alongside it just to at least make up for the fact that you are just jerking off into a tub and then <laughs> I mean I seeing what sticks. Like is, I approve of uh, not not peddling cheap plastic wares. Oh, though. absolutely. Uh, but like you you've gotta have some sort of trade this is purely a capitalist mindset of it, but for it to make sense to spend the money on animation, you've gotta pay for it another way. And in this they don't do much with it and there really weren't toy tie-ins there weren't any like maybe there were cereal box tie-ins but that's it we know where there's some video games yeah but that was before the tv series Mm -hmm. and so like i i think of it in the way of uh the tv shows when we were growing up how even like beast wars had 
toys to go with it. Oh yeah, well, I mean, the Power Rangers the, had toys to go with it. The cartoon and, was to sell the toys. Yeah, and so in this, it's kind of like, I guess the cartoon is to share half-assed morals and keep kids from drinking all of the chemicals under the sink for 26 minutes. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, um, um, you know, the way that television works is they get the majority of their money from, from commercials. commercials. Yeah. So I'd be curious what commercials are playing in these time slots. Yeah. Because that those are the products that are paying for it, mm-hmm. you know? And so people are watching this and seeing, I don't know, Sunny Delight or whatever the fucking commercial yeah, it is. Yeah. But this it's... this series falls into the same category as so much of the movies in that there's good aspects. Mm-hmm. It could always be better. Mm-hmm. It often comes off as feeling cheap and not... Yeah. Not <sighs> genuine. Mm-hmm. Um... Which does suck. Like, uh, uh, sometimes it sucks I wish when there are the genuine moments, <laughs> and you just sit here and go, "You could have done this for the whole series." It's it's one of the it's one of the things I don't like how much I care sometimes because yeah. then I get so upset because I just think back to how much I loved the first Land Before Time and even mm-hmm. the second one, even mm-hmm. though it was a sharp decline, mm-hmm. and just I would love for this to have love put into it yes i would love for you to be a creative director (laughs) in charge of doing the land before time stuff trust me things would be different you because you would care you would labor over it Mm -hmm. you would stress over it because Mm -hmm. you would want it to be good and meaningful yeah and it it doesn't necessarily it it very much comes off a lot of the time as uh good enough yes you know just like like you know when, when we talk about it's everything's a first draft mm-hmm. you know it's just oh you know good enough set it out it's for kids they won't yeah. care yeah kind of thing <laughs> and like but yeah the thing that i think about with it is that we've got because i think about another piece of dinosaur media that i really wish con had had us do instead of these but this is a punishment not a reward <laughs> so um i think of dinosaur train which also has little cute musical numbers <sighs> dinosaur train was so cute dinosaur though. train is so good and there's a movie coming out this year that's a musical and i need to find out when because maybe we can work that in and go Hey, Land Before Time, look at what you could have done. But Land Before Time was never teaching kids about dinosaurs, so fine. Yeah, it was was purely purely, uh, entertainment. Mm -hmm. It wasn't made for education. Yeah. The times that they tried to kind of, sort of, maybe have something in there, it was always... Half-assed. Yeah. And that's... Same with the morals. (laughs) God. Especially the morals. Hi, Goober. There's a flop dog. Flop dog. But, um... Yeah, it's the TV, especially this last episode of it, of the first 10 episodes, it just, it, it lets you know what they could have done. And because I know where it goes, I am now sitting here with it going, God damn it. They could have, they could have had the, the thud thing become a subplot to the series with Thud starting to become a little bit less reliant on Red Claw and a little bit... You know, it that could be an interesting dynamic in that even having Red Claw realize that Thud 
you know, might have lied to them or something like that. Oh, yeah. why are, you want to eat them yourself. You're trying to keep them away from us. And then Thud made, and then it's like the issue of like, well, the enemy helped me. You yeah. guys didn't help me. Yeah. Like, are we allies or no? Yeah. Kind of thing when, you know, there, there, there is more depth that you could have to it, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, because it's a, it's a, a cheap product. Yep. They don't put in the love. Yeah. And it's okay. Just... You just need UK with all your your brilliance and dinosaur love <laughs> and knowledge. Just need to make a, a a dinosaur thing. Yeah, but that also requires me having time to do it. And... Time and energy and money. Yeah, and... yeah. And I don't. Dear listeners, I don't have that. <laughs> if we can get a thousand patrons, Kay will <laughs> Kay will work full time on podcast shit. Uh, the prod. Products we not products the projects yes. we could accomplish. Oh God, so many things that I want to do, but I don't have the time or the energy <laughs> or the spoons. <sighs> well, I think we've rambled enough yes. on this because our wonderful listeners who have been waiting with bated breath for multiple weeks while we got yes. moved and unpacked and settled and shit set up. Yes, uh, uh, get to look forward to at least. Two more Land Before Time TV animated series. TV series recap things. Followed by the 14th movie. The followed by the 14th movie and then <sighs> the sweet, sweet release of death. Um, <laughs> I don't want that yet. <laughs> We've got to still do our Annie Smackdown. Uh, we'll see if I can make it. We will. I'm dying. Kid. We'll make it. I'm dying. Not allowed. <laughs> Not allowed to die. It ain't happening. Okay. Anyway, thank you guys so much for your patience in waiting for this episode and for all of your love and support. We truly appreciate it, and we love you guys so much. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And if you'd like to reach out to Kay and I, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our... Oh, yeah, social medias. Uh, that's right, I'm not, I haven't been on social media because of reasons. Uh <laughs> Our Twitters, our Facebooks, our Instagrams, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. Please feel free to drop in, say hi, talk about uh, Land Before Time. Please don't. Um, <laughs> or you can commiserate with us or, about Land or, Before Time. Or commiserate. For those of you who are waiting and going to try to binge all the way through, this is the checkpoint to take a mental health break. <laughs> For those of you about to commit emotional suicide, we salute you. Because I found out that some people are wanting to binge all of the Land Before Time episodes in a row. And y'all, you're you're the true heroes doing that. Uh, Take a break at this one. Go back and listen to something nicer. (laughs) That's not us slowly losing our minds Mm -hmm. to bad dinosaur media. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to help out the show please hop on to iTunes, Podchaser, Stitcher, wherever you can rate or review podcasts and leave a five-star review. You can say anything you like. You can say Chomper is the greatest special boy and he should have a whole movie all to himself with a better writer than the writers for the TV show. Um, You can... It it just helps us out if you leave a review. It helps us get up the charts. We don't know how that works. Magic! Uh, It's magic. 
If you want to go above and beyond, you can join our Patreon, uh, where we have different levels where you can get bonus episodes, you can get your name read on the show, you can have us read a special message for you. Um, you can also get a more tangible uh, show of your appreciation if you want to go above and beyond by going to our Tee Public store and getting one of our shirts, stickers, masks. Uh, we've got big old tapestries with the Jello cat on it that are pretty fun. Anyway, um, thank you again so much for listening and for your support. That'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. Deaf. Watch 11 through 26 soon. Yeah. Or we can go out and pull weeds in 100 degree heat. Deal with burr buttercups. Buttercup, buttercup, boo, buttercup, 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 boo, buttercup, buttercup, Ow! Wow. stuck in my fingers. I started saying butter puck. I'm tired.